0: Welcome, everybody, to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, what I'm I'm asking you honestly, what is Andre Drummond actually good at?
1: (laughs) What is this? Is this your new Brandon Ingram thing? Like, Anthony, he just dominated. uh, He just showed you what he's good at on Saturday.
0: Yeah, so he's really good at being really big.
1: That's it? Like we're, we're, we're we're good here? He's, like, the best offensive rebounder in NBA history. I can't believe that you've brought me to this pitch this early in the podcast, but you're starting with what is Andre Drummond good at? He's good at a lot of things. He's just there are other things that he's not as good at. But
0: he's really good at offensive rebounding his own misses because he's a terrible finisher. Like... He's he is not a good finisher. <laughs> like he's, he's, he, congratulations on being really good at this thing that is undervalued generally in in the NBA, but it's super undervalued if you aren't even creating extra possessions off of other people's shots.
1: Hold on, hold on. Let let's save the Drummond debate. Let's let so the Lakers <laughs> lost tonight. Uh, they lost. Uh, what was the final score by the end of this thing? 111 uh, one eleven to ninety six. One eleven to ninety six. They turned the ball over like crazy. They could not really hit a shot from three point distance and you know, Anthony is ready to blame the entire loss. I'm not saying that he is blameless, but blame the entire loss on Andre Drummond.
0: All right. Let's, let's look at how productive Andre Drummond was in this one. 25 minutes, three whole points, 10 boards, which is fine. Uh, four turnovers from a big is pretty pathetic. He does. And, he uh, does have a
1: turnover problem. I will grant you that he he's, which, which is he like extra turnover sometimes. So he's, <laughs>
0: And then uh, and then so, yeah, so he goes for for those uh, three whopping points, three total shots that he got up, one of two from the free throw line. And then um, his uh, the, the the person coming off the bench to play that same position, Montrezl Harrell, played probably the worst game that he's ever played as a Laker, maybe even as a pro. Uh, I, goes, I mean, he was
1: a, he was a fringe guy initially. He's probably played worse games than this as a pro, but definitely as a Laker. I um
0: well, this is the worst game he's ever played as a pro with expectations.
1: Yeah, right? that's probably fair.
0: So and zero well,
1: the playoffs, but
0: <laughs> zero points, uh two rebounds, one assist, uh the one block shot, and uh he was a minus twelve, Andre Drummond was a minus five, Kyle Kuzma coming out here to set uh, a career low with a minus twenty-six in the game. But but yeah, I I just thought like this is where I get kind of annoyed. It 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 first appears as me lashing out at Andre Drummond. Like I can't blame Andre Drummond for being Andre Drummond, right? Like I'm I can't get upset when I'm watching National National Geographic and a penguin gets eaten by an orca because, like, yeah, that's what penguins do, you
1: know. Uh, well, it, I mean, our, th- that's more what orcas do. I would say. I think penguins don't necessarily have consent in that whole arrangement. They're. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and penguins would prefer to not do that. It's just it like a, them.
0: it's a part of the penguin experience that like you're yeah. going to lose a friend. At some point, you're going to get
1: eaten by an orca. It's <laughs> some it's some inevitable. Point. Yeah.
0: Um, but so like I, and and I thought, you know, in this one, ironically, you know, the Knicks kind of swarmed Drummond and and really made things uncomfortable for him. And, you know, it, it appears to me just like lashing out at Drummond specifically. But my problem is with Frank Vogel. Like, I just think the way that he's handling this whole thing. Where he brings in Gasol when the Lakers are down ten with like eight minutes to go in the game doesn't even let him finish the game by the way like he goes he 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 pulls him after five minutes which
1: he like saw, he ask- saw the 8-0 run and he's like I'm about to have to answer some tough questions uh, let me get Mark out of here <laughs> real quick and
0: they yeah they do go on that that 0 uh, run Gasol uh, is a plus two they they gave some of it back there at the end of his shift. Um, But a five-minute shift, like that's hardly a professional shift. Like I just, I just think, like if you were to, if you were to, if Frank Vogel was going out of his way to piss off Mark Gasol as much as possible, how differently would it look than what it's been so far?
1: (laughs) So I I don't. Frank Vogel is certainly not doing that. I also think that there are. But
0: I'm saying, like, how different would it look? Like, (laughs) I would, I don't, I wouldn't hold it against Gasol at all if he, if after this. After you put me in there for five minutes in basically garbage time and then pull me out again, <laughs> like to, to put Drummond in there one more time for an extra minute there. I would just like if I were Gasol, I would just like, hey, man, sit me down for like a week. Let me spend some time away from this team. I don't want to be here for this if I'm only getting kind of joke minutes at the end of the game.
1: Okay, so I understand what you're saying, and I understand why people want, why people that watch that Gasol game tonight would be like, he's good, he should play more. Maybe they shouldn't have benched him for Drummond. Like he was very good in the five minutes that he played. I'm not taking anything away from him. He did mm-hmm. not fix the defense. He did not allow mm-hmm. them to come back. Like he just, this Knicks team had it going tonight, and the Lakers didn't. And the Lakers, I think, got taught. They were turning the ball over so much, which some of that is Drummond, but he only had four of them, and. That it was, you know, the Knicks were just getting easy possessions out on the break, and the Lakers were not able to set their defense. That's been something that's been a struggle for them during the stretches. When Mm -hmm. they don't have it going offensively, their defense kind of drops off. And I don't think that Casal was fixing that, even though it looked pretty good for five minutes. I also think that, like... You know, we do these daily shows and I think sometimes we become prisoners of the moment or like prisoners of this most recent game that I just saw and we use it as like a referendum oh, on yeah. players entire season and like you especially and <laughs> <laughs> but I had to get that in there. But yeah, look. Drummond was dominant against one of the teams that the Lakers uh, that is standing in the way of the Lakers ultimate goal. Is this Knicks team a particularly good matchup for him on a night when the Lakers don't have LeBron and AD and Dennis is throwing lob passes to Kuz at like the top of the backboard and like passes. It it became a joke. Oh, could, THT threw a lob to Trez that I'm not sure Trez, Trez could have caught off a trampoline like it was it was yeah. just like that's not Trez's fault like he just that's not who he is I don't know who he who THT thought he was throwing the lob to maybe he thought Damien like the ghost of Damien Jones like crossed his sight line somewhere and he thought he was gonna lob him there he's always but, in
0: all of our hearts
1: Yes, exactly. Nick to so,
0: Player of the Week, Damian Jones.
1: <laughs> and so Drummond, yes, this was not... The Knicks are the fourth best defense in the NBA. They're really good at swarming the paint. They're really good at... We saw this tonight, all night. They forced Andre mm-hmm. Drummond to make decisions with the ball, and the decisions were not great. And is that something that maybe other teams could try against him? Yes, but maybe not as well as these Knicks have with Tom Thibodeau running their defense and the way that they've bought in on that end and how good they've been this year. I just think that like we need to slow down a little bit. It's still like his, what, like his fourth game, actually, like really his third because he mm-hmm. barely played in the first one with the team. He's still getting adjusted and building chemistry with his teammates. To me, this is not a Drummond needs to be benched or Gasol's clearly better or whatever. No. But to me, it's more, and I'm not saying that you're necessarily saying that as much as I could, but I, I think to me, it's more of Gasol is probably too good to be getting DNP'd. And I would like to see them at least try and find a way to get him some minutes right now. I understand that they want to get Andre as many as possible because it's like the long term goal is you want to get him acclimated in the system, all of that stuff. I get it. But I think that, you know, they need to try, they need to at least try this Trez Mark thing that Frank has teased and said that he's willing to try. And I kind of am sensing he's not actually willing to try and just set it to like, you know, kind of say what he thought was the right thing but you know i know trez hasn't played the four at all this year i'm just saying like you might as well see if it's a look that you could go to because you're so undermanned i think gasol could help in certain ways right now he definitely
0: could yeah
1: right like they like when ad gets back i get it somebody's got to come out of the rotation at the big spot but like i feel like gasol could get some minutes here
0: yeah i my my only thing with like right now is and this is this is something that that I think Vogel is so far on the end of a spectrum that it gets kind of difficult to analyze, uh, like a typical coach, where he is super folk hyper focused on long-term goals above yes. everything because he knows we that saw eventually all last
1: year with Rondo yeah. and with like a variety of guys that he kept giving minutes to, even when they weren't playing well,
0: the, the Lakers, he knows that the Lakers are going to get enough wins and first round matchups, second round matchups, all those things be damned. So long as they're winning enough to get there in the first place. Um, it, it's just, it's just tough to, you know, to watch these games and then have the coach be telling you, like, no, 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 this game doesn't actually matter. Like, winning this okay, game so you, doesn't actually matter. And I that's why, like, that- for, for me, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, like, as a, as a fan, as somebody who's watching these games, as somebody who has been watching basketball for a really long time, it's hard for me to watch any one game and say, like, yeah, I, I guess these games just don't matter. And then if that's I, the case, then why would I, as a regular, like, why would any fan tune in for any regular season game that Frank Vogel is coaching in? So, I guess, so, like, guess it just doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll
1: see you in the postseason. This is a problem that goes beyond Vogel, although he does kind of take it to the extreme at times, and this la- this older Lakers team does take it to the extreme at times, and look, like, they're banged up right now. There's, like, all the every excuse in the book, they have it, and I think that we have to note that, too. Like, they're without their two best players. We can't totally overreact to all of these games, and I- again, I'm not saying that you're necessarily doing that, but, like, this entire regular season has been an abomination and, like, a shameless yeah. cash grab in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, and I-, I think that's a larger discussion that I would love to have with you at some point when we we aren't doing the post game show. Maybe next week we can do Lakers explained why this regular season sucks so bad. Um <laughs> But uh, the thing that uh, before we wrap up the this 2020, segment,
0: 20, 2021 Snyder cut NBA season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. Like the 2000, the 2019 to 2021 season is really what we're dealing with here for the Lakers. Um, right. Like but the thing that I want to ask you, at least in terms of this game and whatever, because it's really easy to know to watch that game and be like, Andre Drummond played like crap tonight. No one is disputing that. I still think that he can have long-term utility for this team. I know I think you're being a little tongue-in-cheek when you're like, he's my new rondo. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're when you're like, he's my new rondo, what is this guy good at? You know, I don't think that you actually mean these things a hundred percent, but I guess. How much of a utility do you think that he has when LeBron and AD get back? Like, are you are you convinced that he's going to be more valuable? Because I am. I do think that having those guys will do a lot for him.
0: I mean, he's going to get better because those guys are going to be... Like, they make everybody like, better. Like, he's not
1: going to be the one making these passing decisions. Like, all of his weaknesses yeah. are going to be squeezed out because well, he's not going to be playing that type of role.
0: Here's the thing. All right, so if you're going to play with LeBron... Um, you either have to be good enough as a creator to demand, like to, to have to spend time on the ball. Right. So like Schroeder is good enough as a creator, either for himself or for teammates that he just kind of like has to have the ball in his hands on occasion, or you have to be a really good finisher, right. In one way or the other. And, and whether that's a three point shooter or, or somebody around the basket, like that's what you, you have to be, you know, someone good who can put the ball
1: inside the basket from some place on the court
0: somewhere. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, man. Like, I just don't know where that place is for Drummond. I don't I know where think- that where that place is. Like, if, if AD isn't shooting the ball very well, I think the offense is going to look really gummed up. I think it's, you know, even more gummed up than it looked for stretches last year when you had Dwight or JaVale out there. And you, there was some frustration that, man, where's the spacing coming from on this? At least those guys could go up and grab a ball from 12 feet uh, and up you know, and, and, and be able to finish and and generate some vertical spacing there. Drummond doesn't even do that. So, like, while it it is easy, I think, to get carried away, uh, I, I find myself just kind of wondering, like, where is he actually going to fit with this? I just, you know, there, there might be some things that, like, the offensive rebounding is certainly interesting when you're giving extra possessions to LeBron, that's great. But if you're only offensive rebounding your misses, your missed layups that he's you're getting not, off of. He's not
1: only rebounding his offensive It's a very high
0: it's a very high percentage of of the, the number of offensive rebounds that he gets that are just his misses is actually pretty high.
1: Here so is- he, I, I want to tell you an astounding stat from Christian Rebus, uh, like okay. our friend at, uh, at Silver Screen Roll today in his article on Andre Drummond. He, he said that while he was away from the Cavaliers, he worked on in his finishing. I knew that he was a bad finisher at the rim, like historically for his career. For yeah. this season, he is shooting 51.9%. From the restricted area, which is oh uh, which is the worst percentage of anyone who has attempted 200 shots there since yeah. joining the Lakers, he's at 52.5%. Uh, but that's the second worst percentage under those parameters, behind Malcolm Brogdon, who's five inches shorter and 50 pounds lighter. Drummond's yeah. the only player 6'10" or taller shooting less than 60% from the restricted area with at least 200 attempts. So yeah. this is documented, like like uh, you know, let me do my Nikaias Like we saw you, like you right. know about Lamarcus Aldridge. Like, we saw this. This is in the right. stat sheet. But l- let me say this. We have never seen Andre Drummond with the caliber of playmaker that LeBron James is. And I understand that there are spacing concerns. I understand the idea that maybe he's only an offensive rebounder or whatever. We've seen them find ways to get him to ball into move towards the rim. Muscle? rolling downhill and he is going to get the ball in the dunker spot and he's going to be able like he's going to have the easiest caliber finishes he's ever had in his career when those guys come back and I'm just not willing to give up or make any larger scale referendums on him as a player until we see him in the situation that he's actually going to be playing in if and when it matters
0: all right so here's my thing I will take for granted everything that you say there, and I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with it, especially about like his caliber of, of of attempts right now compared to over the course of his career. What if it doesn't look great though? You know, and you've just gone out and you've pissed off Mark Gasol. Who <laughs> like you're like, Hey buddy, uh this is awkward, but can you come back and uh play the role that you were playing at the beginning of the season? Because this guy can't finish anything. Like, I, I just, I, like, that's where, that's where you're asking a lot of somebody to disengage the way that you're asking him to, and then to re-engage if and when and or when the situation goes the way that, I bet you Marcus Saul is wondering if it's going to go in that direction. He,
1: he seems to still be engaged. He was coaching up from the bench in the Nets game. He was cheering, you know, Andre on. When he was winning. tonight, he came in and like he did his job and he tried to get them back into it. Like there was no lethargy. Like he went out there and tried to prove himself. I, I don't necessarily think that he is going to sulk on the court or anything like that. I'm not incredibly worried about it. And the other thing too here that we have to note is, you know, one of the things that we talked about in this interview with Kobe Carl that we're going to throw to in a couple minutes is that there are all these factors that go in behind the scenes to coaching that we can't judge and yeah. that we just don't know about and so while we cannot speak with you know a hundred percent like knowledge of the behind the scenes dynamics of the Drummond signing we have a pretty good idea that he was promised a certain amount of minutes to come here and take less money than he could have gotten from the nets or from you know another team and that we know That look, you can blame Frank Vogel for how he's used him. I think to some degree, that is an edict from forces above Frank Vogel, even Mm -hmm. if maybe you can quibble certain in-game things, whatever. And look, it was not Frank Vogel recruiting Andre Drummond to come here. You know, Mm -hmm. like it was not Frank Vogel texting him and asking him to come in and start over Mark Gasol, you know? So like if we're going to criticize people for this down the line, which again, I'm not even close to there yet. I I think that there's a discussion to be had about Mark playing more, but I also, I'm not in the like making longer term judgments on Drummond yet, but I, I think that like this is more than Vogel in terms of how he's being used this is a front office thing this is a LeBron thing this is an Anthony Davis thing like those are two guys that clearly wanted him here and given you know kind of their track record with the additions that they've wanted over the last couple years uh, like most notably your former Andre Drummond Rajon Rondo (laughs) I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on guys that can fit with them and make an impact in the situations that matter most
0: Yeah. I mean, they are going to be
1: personally invested because this is somebody that they wanted and making it work. Right. And LeBron loves redeeming these guys that have had, like, that have the quote unquote like loser label or, you know, whatever you want to say about Mm -hmm. them. Like, LeBron loves taking on talented guys that have that mark on them and trying to turn them back into like a champion and, you know, whatever it may be.
0: It's for Space Jam three, four, five, six, and seven, right? It's yeah, just all the, the various the Space stories Jam of these CU. Guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, like like Harrison mentioned a second ago, uh, we did get to sit down and talk to Kobe Carl earlier today and had a blast with him. We had a really fun conversation. He gets into uh, what it's been like not coaching this year, what they've been doing there. Uh, he discusses what it's like. Uh, you know, talking Lakers and Nuggets with his dad, who is very outspoken um, and 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 all kinds of stuff in between and outside of those things. Hold on,
1: Anthony, you can't miss the best part of this tease. He talks about the time that he teepeed Ray Allen.
0: Also, this is
1: this is something you got to listen.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really fun conversation. He was he was uh, super open with his time. And, uh, and, and he allowed us all to have a little bit of fun with him as well. So I, I always enjoy it when, when, uh, interview subjects do that. So yeah, you're gonna he want tolerated to check a lot,
1: out. a lot yeah. of our jokes. So like, <laughs> I did. will, you know, uh, endless, re- I I already had respect for him for Kobe Carl yeah. from covering him for a while, but yeah, he really put up with some dumb questions from us. So I, uh, <laughs> from you. even but more, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, mostly sure. me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to get to that and then we're going to go ahead and, 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 uh, let that round out the show. And then we will be back uh, to talk to you guys again next week when Andre Drummond misses his 500th dunk for,
2: for the Lakers.
1: All right. So enjoy this conversation with Kobe Carl. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: All right. We are joined now by head coach of the South Bay Lakers, host of the curious leader podcast with Kobe Carl. Kobe Carl is here I'm just kind of curious i kind of wanted to start here you're new into this podcasting thing is this a good time for me to announce that i'm gonna start uh going after coaching jobs like is that you know if you're coming after our (laughs) you're encroaching
1: on our turf is what you're doing so
0: (laughs) we had our corner all to ourselves and you just decided you know what i need another job
2: yeah you know um it's flattering to hear you feel uh threatened uh, to be honest (laughs) no we're we it was um you know the thing times have changed right over this last year and with the pandemic and us not having a season uh you know for our last season getting cut short and then not partaking in the bubble this this year we've just had a lot of time and um it's been a i you know i love learning and getting to know people and uh, that's why i coach because I, i can establish those relationships with guys but Without that, it's been an opportunity to kind of get to know the other side of it with the media, the business side, and then taking some of these conversations that, that I've been having for years with my father and, and other people within basketball and in sports and leadership and sharing it with others.
1: Well, no, look, it's great if you want – like, if you want to bring on Phil Jackson, you yeah. want to bring on Jeannie Buss, like, that's fine. We weren't going to do that. We'll let you have those. But if you start doing, like, post-game shows or something like that, <laughs> and you're, like, encroaching – or you're you're talking about which, you know, which buyout guys should the Lakers sign, like, then we're going to have to come after you with, like, a cease and desist or something
2: right. like that. Yeah. Like, you're,
1: you got to stay in your lane, okay? That's what we're saying.
2: Yeah, you, and uh, I'm, I'm fine in my own lane, as you, as you know <laughs> from – from years of covering the South Bay Lakers that I've been able to be there. Um, you know, the, the post game stuff isn't, isn't necessarily what gets my blood going. So <laughs> you can have it.
1: You don't say I could, I could never tell. You don't say.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I appreciate what you guys do, but uh, I'm definitely more into the, the long form conversations about, uh, you know, ways to connect with guys and ways to lead groups.
0: I was, I was going to ask, like, is that where the name of the podcast came from? Just this, you know, as a coach, you're always kind of looking for advantages and different ways to connect with different people. And, and even in the G league, it's fascinating. The thing that's always kind of struck me as interesting in G league, uh, watching the G league is that obviously you have the unifying goal of, yeah, we're all trying to win, but then there's also a whole bunch of people who are trying to take that next step in their career. So is this, you know, just the the ability to broadcast those conversations is kind of fun, but is this just a the next step in your learning more as as a coach and as a person?
2: Well, it's something I've been doing forever. You know, my dad really encouraged me to reach out to people that, that I appreciated or liked or influenced me and kind of pick their brain on what they do, why they do, and what they do, what they do. <laughs> a lot of do's there, but um, – <laughs> So it was, it, you know, it started when when it was the lockout season. I couldn't be in the Denver Nuggets facility when I was playing at Boise State or even during my professional career. So I was in Boise, and Chris Peterson was, was a prominent uh, college football coach here for years, and he's, he's done a great job. And I just asked, reached out to him and asked him if we could sit down for an hour, and that's kind of where it started was he invited me into his office and you know he's a he's a next level type of leader so he he sat down with his pen and a pad and he was asking me questions um so that's kind of where it all started and i really got a lot from that conversation i i really enjoy getting to know you know why people do what they do and kind of the uh the background and and the plan behind all these different things that i've been as a player i've i've felt uh you know having different leaders or coaches uh, and seeing how different coaches do things, but it's, it's always more interesting for me to, to understand the, you know, the preparation and the planning behind it as well.
0: Yeah. The, the preparation and, and all of that for podcasting, I wouldn't be able to tell you much about because I, I just, I've never prepared, but you know what? It's, it's good to, it's a good <laughs> approach, generally speaking. Um, in, it, can we go back to the, the dynamic of coaching for wins in, a league that is you know is it's it's a it's a step that players have to take or a lot of players have to take before they reach the NBA how do you kind of balance that act is is it just something that you don't even address is is it just kind of an elephant in the room kind of a thing how how does that work
2: yeah it's uh it's a little bit of everything you know I, i'm i'm learning every every year that I coach more and more. And then as I get older, obviously, and being being the father of two kids. And so I, I learned from a bunch of different areas uh, on how to do things or what fits for me or for us as a staff and an organization and a team. Um, I think the cool thing with the Lakers is that, as you guys know, it's always about winning. So, you know, Joey Bus has been very clear from day one. And Jeannie Buss, we just had her on our podcast. She's very clear that it's always about winning, and that's important to us as an organization. So, um, it's pretty simple when it comes to that. Now, where it becomes more dynamic is you know situations where you have 19-year-olds like Isaac Bonga and Taylor Horn Tucker, um, who, while they have the skills and they have the the body, they, their mind might not be there at the level that's necessary to win at the at the G League level, which, you know, as you guys know, there's there's players that, you know, are just flat out NBA players playing at the G League level that you're going to play against three or four every night. And um, so that's where there's a learning curve and, and everyone kind of has to pitch in to figure out how to t- how to get it done. Um, and, and that's where the dynamics of the G League are so fun and interesting is it's always about winning when you're competing in a sport but how do you how do you mix in the development of a Taylor Horn Tucker or Isaac Bongo or Mo Wagner, you know, these guys that we've had throughout the years?
1: Well, and that's one of the things that's always been interesting to me is it's not just balancing winning and the development of various young guys that the organization's trying to get some run for, like those guys when they send them down and things like that. But it's also like, I, I mean, you've been here now for two different coaching staffs, and it's trying to get guys prepared to play in different systems you know, when they get, when, if they do get that call up or if they do get called up to the parent team. And I was just wondering, like, how do you balance all of that in terms of you're clearly, you know, from your conversation with Phil, it was interesting. You were talking about learning from different people and learning different coaching philosophies. But so you're like, on one hand, you're trying to establish your own kind of coaching philosophy, but then you're also, you know, implementing from different head coaching staffs and bringing down guys with different goals and trying to get them ready to contribute to the parent team. And I was just wondering, like, how do you balance all of that as coaches? You're still trying to grow in this profession, too.
2: Yeah, it's different with each coach. I think you bring up a good point. You know, with Luke, it was his first coaching job without being an interim. You know, when he was at Golden State, he had that stretch, which was a good yeah. stretch. Um, so he, he was he brought me in and, and said, listen, like, I'm trying to figure this out. I know you're trying to figure it out, too. So do whatever you feels best where obviously we know Frank is in a completely different situation where he's already had an immense amount of success and uh, multiple different head coaching stops. So he, he, he told me, and, and the organization's in a different place now once, we, once LeBron hit the, hit the floor. Um, he told me he wanted to, you know, do exactly as that they're doing with the Lakers. And there's always going to be difficulty within that, but I think uh, the organization and Frank and the coaching staff has been very understanding and, and you have to be, is that, you know, what you're doing with LeBron and AD, we can't necessarily do because, you know, our three-man isn't LeBron, you know. and our
1: four <laughs> Yeah, man. I was going to say, that's probably tough. It's like, uh, yeah, so we don't have LeBron, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, you, you know, and LeBron's a unique case study, right? He's, he's probably one of the most unique players, superstars ever. He's one of the few guys in, in this team sport that's been able to take a whole organization or a team and just run everything through him. And, and I, you know, and I, we, we've seen it w- with when those two went down, how difficult it is for the others to adapt. Now they're doing a really good job of it as a unit, but it takes time because it's a unique style of play. So, so yeah, there's difficulties, there's difficulties with any job. Right. And and that's the, that's what makes it fun is uh, for us as a, you know, as a longtime basketball person, coach, and player, um, it's always basketball. So at the end of the day, it's the same basketball that you guys go play when you guys go play noon ball, or you know, when you picked up a ball when you were in elementary school or junior high. So it's always the same game, and and those principles, you know, are everlasting in terms of we're trying to win, we're going to try to compete, we're going to try to be our best, we're going to try to be a good teammate. You know, these things are pretty simple when you really get down to it. It's uh you know with with our society now i think it becomes more difficult because of social media uh the um you know the attention garnered by highlight plays and, and then also the talent level and athleticism of these players is i think it's different than we've ever seen in the last you know forever
0: i was actually kind of curious you're in a pretty unique spot in that you have daily access to the kind of talent that you're seeing go through the G league. Now there are some discussions across the NBA about potential expansion and stuff like that. And you're in, you're uniquely poised to be able to answer this. Do you think there's enough talent, whether it's in the NBA itself, and then also with the, with the G league being able to reinforce some of that talent as well? Do you think the league could actually handle expansion? Cause it, it seems like it's the most talented it's ever
2: been. Yeah, well, I think there's there's a lot of things that come to mind when you ask that question or bring it bring it to our attention is I think there's plenty of talent in the youth that we see coming into to the game. I think you saw with the Ignite team with, you know, Jalen Green and Kaminga, um, you know, even Deshaun Nicks. Like, you can see it with the one-and-done guys where I think uh, it becomes more of an issue is, is it's not necessarily talent what what wins, you know? And we mm-hmm. saw that LeBron's first year, you you had a, a extraordinarily talented team with Lonzo, Bi, and Kuz, and but they're young guys, you know. Where where talent gets you in trouble in terms of a product of on a basketball court is you you need other guys. You know, we talked to Jared Dudley today on on the on our podcast, and he's a prime example. He's not uh, he's not super talented he's very skilled but he knows how to play the game he knows how to be a, a superstar in his role and i think that's that's where um, where you i where expansion gets a little dicey is is you're going to have young very talented players that you know maybe one every 10 times down the floor is going to make a super superhuman feat and and we're going to be excited about it but it's those young teams usually get beat because those other nine plays you know, it's usually those fifty-fifty plays, or you know, it's it's such a it's such a game of small margin as 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 we see right now with the Lakers, without LeBron and AD on the court.
1: Yeah, so I think I think the answer there is we need to figure out a way to clone Jared Dudley then and just get like at least like three of him on the expansion team just to teach all the young guys like kind of winning habits.
2: No, you, you know, it's like you're you're saying that a little bit of tongue in cheek, but absolutely <laughs> because yeah. because. You know, and, and that's what I, I had the benefit of growing up around coaches and my father because I you, you can see, I saw at a very young age, he would articulate it to whatever player, college players he was talking to, which were elite college players, or, you know, even NBA teams with his team, he's he's talking to him. It's like, listen, Carmelo's going to shoot 25 shots. I need someone who's going to do the other stuff. And that's what Jared Dudley has has a very keen sense of who he was and where he fits in and kind of where he's going to get his opportunity for and obviously he's on the on the other side of his career right now but those guys are the ones that find find opportunities in the NBA coming from the G League and I think Alex Caruso talked about it on a podcast this summer it's you know you're not you're not auditioning for the role that you're going to play in the G League you're auditioning for the fifth spot on an NBA floor and and being able to be do those things really well and I think we we've had we've had you know a prime example in our time with South Bay is that we had the MVP of the league with Vander Blue who was extraordinary scorer, great competitor you know really fun teammate to be around but um, it's just he wasn't as good at some of the other things like Alex Crusoe is a better cutter than Vander was and he's better uh off ball defender and, and these are the, these are the spots where we need more help in the NBA and uh so you say it with like a little tongue in cheek but it's true is you know um societally we we always want to be the superstar but the reality is all those superstars are like those those spots are pretty full right now yeah. uh, amongst the NBA
1: So when you have guys like, like Talon and, you know, guys like Devontae Kaycock and Kostas, like coming through the two way guys, the, you know, Talon was rookie last year, like coming through and, you know, have a real chance, like just, contractually to get on the floor for the Lakers at some point and, and the other guys, you know, like Alex Caruso coming through on a two-way contract, guys like that. Is that something that you have to try and preach to them? Or do they kind of understand like, you know, my route to get on the floor is not to be, you know, LeBron or something like that. Like I have to show that I can do these little things, or is that something that you kind of more have to preach to guys to make sure that they get it and that they know what is going to show them that they can have value to the Lakers?
2: You know, I personally don't believe in like preaching. Um, I, I think it's just you, you learn things a lot easier through experience. So I think uh, part of that comes with, you know, conversations obviously is, is similar to preaching, but a conversation just, to, you know, explaining some of these perspectives, because you're talking about a 19-year-old kid who spent one one season, not even all year, in in a college with Talon. And, you know, so it's just they're all coming from a, such a different place that just sitting down and seeing where they're at and figuring out, maybe what their frustrations are what they see and where they see themselves and and helping them understand the perspectives uh of of an older guy like myself who's who's been through the nba you know a couple different times at the end of the bench and so i think you know sharing experiences helps um but i think even the most maybe most important thing is having teammates like andre ingram or like a reggie Hearn, a david stockton um you know, good-hearted, selfless teammates that can explain to them and show them how to be a teammate, how to be, you know, a winner. Um, and 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 where do you f- where are you gonna have to fill in the gaps and maybe tell them stories about how the best player on their team never got the call up, but you know Reggie Hearn ended up getting the call up because he was just a really good role player, and you know ends up being USA Men's Basketball Player of the Year. Like th- these things, I think when you start seeing some of these stories, it, it starts adding up. But at a young age, like I said, we're so drawn to be the man. Um, we've had a lot of, you know, those guys have had a lot of attention on them such, at such a young age because of their talents and skills. So I think just the maturation of, of, of a pro is going gonna, gonna to happen throughout that process. But those, your teammates helps, you know, sharing a couple stories. And then um, the ups and downs and failures and successes of a, of a pro season also really help these young guys through it because you just learn through the game so much yeah. easier.
0: Well, what have you been telling your guys then so far this year with not really a season and, and, and how to stay motivated and all of those things? Like how have you handled what 2020 has thrown at you?
2: Well, I mean, my guys right now are our coaching staff who who the Lakers have, have maintained our employment and we're still, you know, we're doing prep for the upcoming draft for our Exhibit 10 guys and possible two ways in the future. So that's my team. In terms of, you know, our, our G League players, they're, they're on their own, unfortunately, because um, the way the G League works is is you, you sign up for basically that's five, six months stretch and then you you, you can go do whatever you want to do um you know we had a couple guys with Gary Payton go into Toronto to play in the bubble and then David Stockton we trade his rights to Memphis so he could go play in the bubble so there's a couple different guys but you know a lot of these guys just have had to figure it out like we all have during during this change um so it's uh it's just a unique time I don't think there's any I don't have any special sauce or story for it (laughs)
1: no that's that's really good to hear that the Lakers have kept you and all of your staff on because I'm not sure that like every team necessarily has done that you know throughout this pandemic or kept you know all of their staff and whatever like that's that's good that they you know found stuff for you guys to do and you know I mean how are you liking scouting?
2: It's always been part of what we've done in the G League it's it's definitely not my favorite part I like the connection you know the seeing a guy face to face and being able to give them some tricks and, and tips on, on, on the game of basketball and the, and the competition of it. Um, but it, it's, it's fun to, you know, practice anything and get better. I, I enjoy that process for sure. And and I've picked the, picked the brains of, you know, guys like Jesse bus and um, you know, a couple of different scouts I know throughout the NBA, just so I could learn how to do it better. You know, we, uh, we're all, prisoners of our own perception and in our own past so I've definitely learned something there is like I was always drawn to more competitive combative players because I I like that physical toughness that 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 you see in in like a Jordan Caroline or like a David Nwaba like these guys who can really compete Um, but uh, you know as as we've seen with any championship team you also need the others you need the other guys too where you know, where KCP is an extraordinary athlete can really guard different perimeter positions and then knock down, just knock down an open three. Like those things, everything matters. And, and that's one thing I've, I've grown to appreciate more and more with my time away from it is, is you start to see these things a lot more clearly that, um, you know, just because it's not, you know, a more physical player, there's still skills within those players and, and things that are necessary for, for a team to be successful.
1: Speaking of the face-to-face interaction part of it, one of the things about your conversation with Phil that I thought was really interesting was, you know, I think so much of the time are those of us on the outside, like Anthony and myself, like our analysis of coaching is like, okay, what were the rotations tonight? What's the defensive system? How hard are guys playing? Like we don't necessarily because like we're not inside like the locker room when they're prepping for games and you guys are doing pregame or shoot around or whatever. And so all we can do is look at it from the outside. But one of the things that stood out to me from that conversation was you know, Phil was talking about how he always wanted to be in the room when the Lakers cut guys and wanted to be able to like, kind of just go through that with them and talk them through it and give them advice and things like that. And you talked about being the same way. I I talked to a couple of your players who I'm not going to name but like about you know like do you have any Kobe stories for me because we're having him on the podcast and one of the things that you know a couple of them pointed out was last year um pre-pandemic so like the, the last Christmas like before the season shut down all that you actually had you know the whole team over to your house for drinks and food and stuff like that and I was just wondering like where did you like when did you realize that it, kind of being a connector and that that stuff outside of just like talking about basketball and really trying to bring guys in was going to be an important part of your like kind of coaching philosophy
2: well that's been um you know it started with my dad so you know basketball was his life is his life you know that's who he is and I think with him where where that started was with Dean Smith so he went to the University of North Carolina and my dad would go back we I went to a couple games in UNC with my dad uh, I went to Vince Carter's, I think it was his junior, I don't know if he got to his junior year, maybe his sophomore year, Carolina Duke game. And so I got to spend some time around Coach Smith and, and I got to spend some time around the UNC program where, where I met their secretaries. And like these ladies have been there for 30 years. And they're like, they're an integral part of the organization now. Like honorary assistant coaches. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and this appreciation for everyone matters. Um, that's kind of where it all started for me. And, and uh, there's this lady that was at University of North Carolina. Her name was Mama D. And she was basically where all the basketball program would tailgate with, with, um, for football games. Mm-hmm. and she was the honorary mom of the team and she was like a second mother to my father and this community of family and and how important that was these off the court experiences to build trust to build empathy to build compassion for others uh to build connection um that's really where it started and then growing up around the team I was a ball boy um my dad's teams I was a ball boy and and I felt like I was on the team you know you know and and I could see when I was acting like an idiot as a, as a whatever a 12 year old or whatnot I could see how that would take attention away from the task at hand and and you know my dad was very keen at, at, at making sure to point those things out to me <laughs> because he was so serious with, with what he was doing but um, I tell those stories just because that's that's kind of where it stems from and and I know um, the power of being connected with a player and getting to know a person off the court and, and seeing them in a different light where, you know, we get to see we're playing a board game and Jordan Caroline is answering every question imaginable <laughs> and you start to appreciate his intellect and then, you know, you get curious about, you know, where'd that come from, Jordan? Or, you know, tell me about your parents and tell me about where you where you started to kind of get into, into, into this stuff and and where'd your curiosity stem from so I think that's where it stems from but you know the reason I stopped playing was I didn't feel like the coaches that I had appreciated that side of the game and I felt like I could uh, help provide that environment for for players to feel part of something greater than themselves and and feel comfortable enough to invest their whole person into into basketball like I, I wanted to so bad
1: So speaking of those kind of off-the-court connections, the Lakers have a couple guys now, like, over the last couple weeks that have played integral roles for the teams that are your former players. Alex Caruso, Devontae came in and stepped up big in the Toronto game. And, you know, THT has been playing a pretty big role, most notably against the Nets, career-high 11 assists. I just, like, you know, from building those connections with those guys, like, you know, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't ask you, like, you know, what favorite stories off the court about, uh, you know, AC and Devontae and THT. And, like, what do you remember about coaching those three guys?
2: Well AC was you know obviously that's for us that was the most fun because it was truly he was just a G League player like he hadn't got his NBA shot yet and then we were the organization that was willing to give him that shot through a two-way opportunity and he earned everything he got Um, I think that a lot of the stories with AC have already been explained because he's become such a prominent figure within the Lakers organization but um, it's just his who he is as a person is what makes him who he is as a player as a teammate as a leader um even it, through your guys's exchanges in the media I'm sure you can see it it's just he's an authentic dude that's what uh, I was going to ask unique. is
1: he actually that humble like behind the scene like like is he actually like this normal and as humble as he seems you know in these interviews
2: yeah no absolutely I think that's his superpower is is <laughs> he's, he's there's no act it's it's no yeah. act it's who he is it's you know, uh, they did a Sports Illustrated article, and the guy asked me for a story on it. And, and I was—I think it was right after the season ended with the Lakers, and I was living down in Hermosa, and he it happened to be around there. And he was at the beach, and you know, we get—we have this idea through Instagram or whatever it is, uh, what an NBA player's lifestyle is. He wasn't down there with supermodels and you know popping bottles or anything like that. He was with his high school friends from or his college <laughs> friends from College Station. You know, it's uh, two or three of his guys that he's known for his whole life, and that's who AC is. And uh, but he also has that unique ability to connect with anyone. It doesn't matter if it's. Um, Devontae Kaycock, which they, they share a similar role through that t- two-way process, or LeBron James. You know, he, he has a willingness to, to speak his mind and be authentic to, to what he believes in. Um, even You know, Frank Vogel, or he, he'll speak up in these film sessions with, you know, when he's just a two-way, and, and uh, it's allowed him to get to where he is now. Now with like a tail, and I think he was such a young kid coming into our organization, I I could I could sense right away that he wasn't scared of the moment because of his first practice with us, he hadn't played at all that summer. If you guys remember, he had the foot problem. Yeah, yeah. So, so it kept him so out of we summer were,
1: league, I think, the entire thing, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He he didn't he didn't get an opportunity to really play in, in um training camp with the Lakers either. I think very minimal, but he was coming yeah. back. So he was basically having his first full practice with us after how long off and he played really well. I remember all of us being like, Well, it looks like you know, we're, we don't need to worry too much because you just never know with a young kid like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Talon, had, you know, he was taking some pretty audacious shots in college. So we just didn't – you don't know until you see it. And um, he wasn't scared in the moment. And he, he has the skills. Obviously, you can see it now. It's pretty simple. But uh, also with Talon, I think the, a really cool thing about him is he, he's very humble. And, um, he's very authentic in his own unique, quiet way. Uh, he's, he's curious to get better in a lot of different ways. And he's, yeah, that any, was the part um, that
0: struck me. He's always picking LeBron's brain. He's always picking Anthony Davis's brain. He's always talking he, to them on the sidelines
1: and he uses grateful. I think like every other sentence when he, when he does get to do media or whatever, talking about his opportunity. And yeah.
2: Yeah. And you know, I, You know, he comes from Chicago. Obviously, he comes from a great line of basketball traditions with Simeon. But, uh, you know, it's just you just never know. I think he has a unique appreciation. I think his mother probably has something to do with that. And I know his uncle lives with him. And so he, he probably has a great support system of family to remind him how grateful he is. Um, But, uh, yeah, he has a unique ability to realize that none of this is given and and it can change really quickly. And I think he saw that being with us all season. We had a really tough season with injuries, and he had to play a bunch of different roles for us, Um, you know, even even from being, like, fifth guy on the floor at times to being our number one guy who we relied on. So uh, those experiences, I think, have have helped him, but there's no doubt that his skills and, and who he is is what is more valuable.
0: Uh, before we get out of here, I, I do want to have a little bit of fun here. Uh, the Nuggets are the best. This is the best, one of the better Nuggets teams of, of my lifetime. Obviously, the Lakers are our title favorites, I still think. Um, is there any trash talking that goes on between you and your dad? Like, is it just, I know he's outspoken. He actually does a lot of work with my buddy Adam Modis over there with DNVR, so I'm just kind of curious when you guys get together and you watch a Lakers Nuggets game, how does that go? Put me in the, in the, in the Carl household as, as that's going on.
2: Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's a keen assessment on my father. I, I think he's, as he's gotten older, he's, he's matured a little bit in terms of not always talking so much shit, um, <laughs> but uh he He's never been a fan of, of, like, the major market teams because he's always been with more mid-mar- mid-market or low-market teams. So he's always had a chip on his shoulder towards teams like the Lakers. So that's always been fun just to, you know, be with the organization for so long and, and bring him around. He, he's always, he's you know, always really uncomfortable being in the Lakers facility. <laughs> <and> <laughs> well,
0: the Lakers uh, are just a mom-and-pop shop. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's
2: just a family-owned business, business. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah you just got to explain it to him yeah and and you're not you know you're not that far off because they do a good job of of being authentic and and uh it it, they've treated my family very well so he's very appreciative to that but uh he just can't get over all the times that he's been beat by the lakers and (laughs) in the playoffs and um you know i think there's this he has the, he still holds true to some of these stories about uh you know favoritism towards the major markets uh you know where I don't know where you guys fall or anyone falls on the <laughs> on that subject but I no, um, we're not
1: trying to get you fined, kobe we're gonna we're gonna
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, but uh it's uh it's fun it's fun because he he has he has respect for for champions, no doubt about it. Uh he also has bitterness because he never got that championship and obviously anyone who knows him knows how, how much he wanted it and, and that's what he was working for. But uh he, he has a ton of respect for champions. So um I think he's hopeful because he lives in Denver that the that the Nuggets can make that leap. But um and I you know, I think he follows it closely, but uh, you know, being the defending champions right now you know, no one can dispute that, that title. And, um, so he's, he's, uh, while he likes to banter and he'll always have his opinion on why things are different than, than, than you view them or I view them. Uh, he, uh, he, he always appreciates the the fact that a champion is a champion and they had to, they had to win the games and, and, and get it done.
1: So two more things before we get you out of here. And we really appreciate the time. The first one is Anthony and I have a running bit. I don't know if you remember this, but when you first got hired as the South Bay Lakers head coach, we were co-hosting Locked on Lakers at the time. Anthony's still there. I'm not doing that podcast anymore, but like we did an interview with you. You were our first big guest and uh, the interview did not record. my laptop ate it it just did not work we had to do the worst podcast of all time which was us just recapping (laughs) a conversation that people could not hear because we felt like we still needed to try and use it but we could not read and I was just wondering number one do you remember that interview I guess it's
2: uh one of the last things before we get you out of here no I don't I don't (laughs) remember that and and, and I'm you know it's funny I don't back then I I don't know how many podcasts I'd done so it's uh Mm-hmm. I, so, we, so like you're
1: I'm... just saying we were not memorable. So, this is now this is uh, that's why it didn't record. Your own this computer
0: is, didn't think we were memorable. What I is guess, it? yeah, I guess not. My <laughs> computer
1: just decided to just delete the file and not use it. So, we're hoping <laughs> it would be hilarious if this interview just did not record. I swear it says recording up there. You could see yep. it, but we'll see if it actually <laughs> ended up. Uh, doing it, but so one of the, it's a good thing you don't remember that interview because one of the things that I asked you about, I'm going to ask you about it again and see if you remember this, but there was an ESPN story done a number of years ago about you and your dad and there was an anecdote in there that when I was searching for stuff for that podcast way back, I've saved it since because I think it's hilarious, about um, you and your friend I guess, so I'm just going to read from this story. One night, Bucks guard Ray Allen teased Kobe's friend Nick Moore for wearing loose-fitting plaid pants, prompting Nick to say later, we should TP Ray Allen's house. Boom, George <laughs> slapped down a $100 bill without a word, and off went Kobe, Nick, and their pals to buy the Charmin. I guess Ray wasn't deeing up, Nick says, or George thought it was funny. The next day, Allen saw Kobe and Nick and asked them to find the cul- culprit oh we will they said did you ever find the people that uh TP'd Ray Allen's house and now that you're a member of the Lakers how satisfying is it to be able to tell that story that you once uh, that you once got him before 2008
2: yeah it's um <laughs> that was those are good memories I I still have uh I still have a group chat with all those friends from high school so I think I think the all the culprits are within that group chat um and it's funny Nick Moore is still a close friend of mine and now he's a doctor in in the in the Detroit area working <laughs> with professional teams so uh so he and, can tell yeah, he I can mean, tell
1: his patients there he's like yeah you know like don't don't mess with me i i, I TP'd Ray Allen's house i'll hit yours too like
2: yeah there's so many things too and then like the fact that my dad would would finance the situation is even better <laughs> and the fact that Ray probably knew 100% that it was us who did it uh, but that was a fun night. Uh, I have you ever his, his... have you
1: ever tried that with one of your players when they aren't d up? Just paying one of your children to go tp their house or something like that. <laughs> like,
2: I could see myself in the future doing it. For I'm just sure. saying
1: it's worth a shot. Like, if yeah. you, if you, there's a guy that just won't d up, you know, like apparently Ray wasn't at the time, according to you know your friend. Like, I'm just saying it might work. Like, if somebody's not making their rotations on defense, you just got to give your kid a hundred bucks. That probably buys a lot of toilet paper. You can go. Uh, you can go hit his house.
2: Yeah, my kids are four and six. So like I said, I got to give them some time to get their throwing arms up to par. <laughs> um, but uh, no, that's fun. I mean, to, to be honest, you talked about the off the court stuff. I think that's one of them too, right? It's, it's a fun story that we can talk about. Obviously, as a high school kid, we, we really enjoyed that opportunity to do that. Um, <laughs> anything to help but, dad you know it's just you were just being yeah you person. were
1: just helping the team you know like you were yeah. you were sending a message like he's like that's a nice house he got there where he'd be ashamed if I sent my son to go <laughs> teepee it like
2: absolutely that was a fun <laughs> night I remember his uh his dogs ended up barking us off the property so I think we got we got caught by I'm not sure what type of dogs he had but uh that was a fun night <laughs> I mean it's good it's a good
1: sign that you got out of there before finding out what type of dogs he had like that means that it oh, went man. okay you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um but anyway, we've taken up enough of your time. I really appreciate you coming on and uh yeah, I mean, is there anything like other than just tell people where they can find your podcast and you know what uh, up kind of, you you kind of tease Jared Dudley, you have Genie Bus, you had Phil Jackson like Yeah,
2: we uh we've had yeah, we've had uh <laughs> we've uh, we record with my father so he'll be on eventually. Uh it's just the the Curious Leader podcast with uh with myself and um co-host Brett Goldberg, but Uh, Any, anywhere you get your podcasts, you know, Apple, Spotify, and then, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter as well. So you can find me there and uh, would love for, you know, Lakers fans or anyone to connect with us and let us know who you want next for a podcast or how you're liking it. Uh, As you guys know, sometimes these podcasts just go out and into thin air and you're not even sure anyone ever heard them.
1: Well, you know, people heard the Phil Jackson one from a couple of the headlines that came out of that one. So you got some listeners there. That was solid.
2: Yeah, no, it's uh, when you when you get a guy like that, it's, you're going to get some attention. So it was no, fun to share, if you- share some of his wisdom.
1: Since you're since you're getting into our space, like if you need tips on like clickbait questions from Anthony and I to like try and get people yeah, to say things that. that then like the New York Post can aggregate or whatever, then like just let us know. You know, we're happy to come on and talk about our leadership in that respect.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's not uh, that's not that's not what we we're, we were shooting for. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, funny because if me- you listen the to the whole conversation,
1: like- that was not uh, that was not like there's no context to it. They just grabbed the one clip of him talking about it but yeah it was uh you got your first they, experience with that
2: yeah they did what new york media does i mean he talked <laughs> about it and and they they were true to their word their style all right well all thank right, you well, very
0: much kobe for 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 hopping on with us and and uh i appreciate uh, us finally being able to have this conversation and record it so shouts to harris yeah we are just praying it, that it time, records
1: this time, this time that my computer saves it it's a new computer but we'll see how it goes
0: i mean if it turns into a running bit it wouldn't be the worst one <laughs>
1: Uh, doing again the rest of your day uh,
0: best of luck with the show and and then uh, with getting back to work hopefully next season as well um we're wishing for for nothing but the best for you and uh, we'll talk to you soon
1: yeah, and Thank now you that you've Appreciate been on the podcast, if the Lakers get a good player in the draft next year, and you said that you were scout, we're just going to say that that was all you. It doesn't yeah. matter if it was no, you. We're no, just no, going to no, credit no. exclusively. <laughs> no, no, no. We're your guys now. Like we're going to bat for you. We are Kobe Carl. We are a Kobe Carl Stan podcast now.
2: So I'm a I'm a team guy. So we, we do our part and we 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 provide He's winking insights, while he's but,
0: saying this. Like you guys can't but, see.
1: It. He's winking. He's telling you. Again. Yeah, he's winking the whole time. He's like, yeah, it's a it's a team effort. Like.
2: No, you, you we know who, who pulls the sh- or pulls the trigger. You know, Rob and Kurt and uh Jesse has, deserves and his crew deserves a ton of credit for what they've done with with the guys that we've we've had in our system.
0: Yep, absolutely. All, All right, right. Well thank you. Have, 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 we have a really great and
2: we'll talk to you soon. All right guys, appreciate it.